Welcome back to the House of Mario. Without further ado, the 8-Bit Big Band hit it. G'day everyone, I'm your host Drew Agnew and this is your encore, a Nintendo podcast that is backed by 120 Power Star Rating. Held within the House of Mario's Great Hall, somewhere within Hyrule, Kanto or the Mushroom Kingdom. That's up to you. Here we talk about everything Nintendo, and this episode is all about me and my gaming history. So, if you're interested in that, sit back and enjoy the episode. But before we get into that topic, I just want to thank you very much for joining me for the very first episode of the House of Mario Encore. It's been something I've been wanting to do for a very long time, and I'm really excited to finally start doing it. So, like I said, whether you're listening to this on podcast services or here on youtube.com slash idruby or whatever the URL is, thank you very much. It means a lot to me, so um, really look forward to getting into it. Um, so, to start off with, I guess, uh, you know, my name is Drew Agnew and I'm a farmer from South Australia. I grew up on a farm and I really did fall in love with gaming through childhood and I still hold on to it today. Um, play a few different games and I play a lot of the very, very similar games being Pokemon, Zelda, Mario, all you know, your main Nintendo games. Obviously with the Switch right now, it's absolutely a tremendous success and they're putting out some of the best games they've ever made um, probably in their history, almost. Like, you know, it's just amazing what they're doing. But going back to, I guess, the start of how did I get into video games, um, it really kind of did start on PC. And I know that's kind of weird because uh, typically now I don't play many PC games, um, especially over the last, say, 10 years. Um, I've played like a bit on my laptops here and there, but really haven't done any big PC gaming. Um, I do have a PC in the works right now, but that's for more content creation and doing this type of thing I'm doing right now. So, yeah. So thinking back, this is actually kind of strange. But it, um, so how old would I have been? So I've really got to brainstorm this, <laughs> these bits, because I'm really am thinking back. This is back to when I'm like three to five years old. Um, so I might even be getting some of these dates wrong and stuff, but it doesn't it doesn't really matter. Um, this is how I remember it. So this is kind of how it um, maybe somewhat affected me. But uh, I mainly started playing games through my mum's computer. I don't remember it being a particularly good computer or anything. It was just an adequate computer for doing word processing and whatever mum needed to do on the computer then. We didn't have internet, so I really don't know what that computer was used for. But I remember getting a lot of things from the library, whether it was educational games. I remember some Arthur games in there because I really did enjoy Arthur and you know stuff on ABC Kids, whether it's Thomas the Tank Engine. That was a huge influence on me. And the main one I remember, the main one I've written down here is uh, a series of magazines and CD-ROMs called Learning Land. I don't know if this was something people in the US um, had or whether it's just Australian or European. I've got no idea what it is. No idea. But I've never heard anyone else talk about it either. But I found a YouTube channel when I typed in Learning Land that's sort of like recorded all of them. And everyone in the comments are like, oh, my God, it's so nostalgic. Oh, my God. Um, so I assume a lot of you guys don't know what Learning Land is, and I wouldn't expect you to. But uh, it was basically like an educational game. And you had four characters. You had Tim who taught you math. You had Sue, who taught you uh, SOS. You had Miffy, that taught you the alphabet and uh, spelling and all of that stuff. And you had Biff. I can't remember exactly what Biff was. I think, actually, now I think of it, I think Biff was nature. I'm pretty sure Biff was nature. I'm re- remembering just off the top of my head. And it's been years, so please, 
please don't uh, fact check me on that one. I don't want anyone in the comments or on Twitter or something saying, hey, uh, you got Biff's uh, job wrong. That's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I'm sure no one cares that much. But Learning Land was a huge influence. I, I remember getting the magazine and yeah, with the magazine, yeah, the, the CD-ROM, which you installed on the PC, and it also got like a little plush of each character. And I had the plushes and I was just obsessed with uh, Teddy's. Uh, teddies and soft toys when I was a kid. So I absolutely love these things. I had all four of them. Um, I played the game each month or fortnight, whatever it was. Can't remember what it was. And I absolutely love magazines as well. Uh, and we'll go more into some more gaming magazines later on in this episode. But I really, really did love this thing. It was just sort of the, it, it was just like a, the perfect storm of things I love, like soft toys, uh, you know, a bit of uh, interactive uh, gaming on the, on the PC, I guess. And the magazine, which is just awesome. Um, so that's as far as I can sort of remember. I remember looking forward to that and that got me into actually using the computer. And with all other things on the computer, I remember I played um, AFL Auskick. So uh, I, a lot of the time, if you guys are in Australia and you played um, Auskick, it's basically like for like under five-year-olds, you get to go and kick the footy. And a lot of the time they give you a drink bottle, they gave you a, a football, they gave you all this stuff. But I remember specifically they gave us a CD-ROM. And I'm like, all right. So I went home, I installed it. And I had a heap of, it had like a bunch of different uh, football games. There's one where you got to like click the football and try and get it through the goals. And there was another one where it was like a 2D platformer. And I actually become a little bit obsessed with this 2D platformer. I'm just really trying to think what it was where I think you had to go through the level and collect all the footballs. And when you get all the footballs, you progress to the next level. And going back to, like, if, if I looked on it on fresh eyes at the moment, I'll look at it and go, what the hell? This looks awful. This is easy. But at the time, what I'm remembering right now is so hard. And I played it and played it and played it. And I actually got to the last boss. And it was like this disgusting, pussy ball of, don't, I don't even know what it was, honestly. Don't even know what it was. <laughs> just remembering it from 20 years ago. And it's just horrifying. But I remember going to Ozkick and being like, hey, did you get to the last boss? And the and the, the guy's probably just playing footy. He's not going to his PC and installing whatever AFL game is. He's like, yeah, yeah, I don't know, man. But yeah, so I guess that was sort of the first signs of me just really enjoying video games. Um, just even getting like real basic, cheap, pretty nasty stuff from whether it was Serial, AFL or Learning Land. But Learning Land was cool. Don't diss Learning Land. And what I remember next is uh, watching the Pokemon anime. So this was probably when I was, I'm going to say four years old. That sounds about right. I don't think I was at school yet. If I was, it was very early on and I can't really remember. But I remember going for a trip and we went to a motel room that had Ostar. And I absolutely love cartoons, obviously. Um, and at home, all I had was ABC Kids. So there really wasn't that much variety. But um, having access to Cartoon Network, I remember just being really excited. But all right, this is Ostar. Awesome. And... Uh, watching some various things. But the only thing I remember watching that day was Pokemon. And Pokemon has obviously gone on to be something that's just <laughs> taken off my life and I'm just obsessed with and uh, sort of pushed me to be a Nintendo fan and a huge gamer. So this might have been the moment where I was like, really, this is <laughs> where the seed was put into place. So I remember sitting down and it was the episode when Paris evolved into Parasect. Like I remember too much more what happened in that episode. It's been a while since I watched the Pokemon anime. 
but I really do remember enjoying it and recognizing Pikachu and Ash straight away. Like those two characters really stood out to me. And it wasn't until, I don't know how much longer it was until I started watching it again or when I got the videos or if I went to the public library and got some VCRs, I can't quite remember exactly what it was that got me into watching it properly rather than just seeing it on TV and going, oh, that's cool. Because a lot of uh, the time at the public library, uh, that's when I got to watch all of my stuff, where it was Digimon, Pokemon, other various stuff. Uh, I can't quite remember, but Pokemon was the main thing. And that was the very first time I remember watching it. And it's a memory that stands out a lot to me, especially thinking back and being like, right, uh, that's probably when yeah the seed was put into place. So it wasn't until like years later, like I, I started watching Pokemon and talking about it with friends and um, even on the farm here, I had like pet lambs and that. I remember calling one lamb Squirtle. I remember calling another one. Uh, I had a dog called Ash, which I named after you know, Ash Ketchum. And yeah, just like it, I was really obsessed with it. You know, it was like, I think like when I was a kid, it was uh, Pokemon, Thomas the Tank Engine. Um, then it went to Simpsons, Rugrats, loved Garfield, for example. Um, I wish I was more good Garfield games. I think Garfield's absolutely hilarious. I remember a line in Garfield where like, you know, if someone said something or did something that Garfield didn't like, Garfield would say like, you know, they should be dragged out into the street and shot. And it wasn't until I got older where I'm like, that is the most fucked up thing for a children's cartoon to say. Dragged out to the street and shot. Holy moly. But (laughs) yeah. So I I do remember in reception, um, so this is I guess a grade zero or whatever I don't know for the rest of the world, um, before year one anyway, where I I started talking about Pokemon with friends. I remember a good friend, uh, Jordan Gray. I remember talking about Pokemon to him and pl- like playing Pokemon at recess times and all of that. And it wasn't until sort of grade. Um, three, I think, where uh, Digimon started coming into the picture. Obviously, Digimon um, with the the anime and everything, um, you know, then everyone, the school sort of progressed to become obsessed with Digimon and also like Digimon Tamagotchis. And the very first Digimon Tamagotchi I ever got, I remember saving up for it, going to Toy Kingdom, which is a local toy retailer here in uh, my hometown and being so excited to buy this thing. And I've actually got one of the uh, anniversary editions here. Um, so if you're watching the video, you'll be able to see it. I, I don't know where my original Tamagotchi is. It was a brand one. But as you can see here, uh, I've got like the anniversary um, yellow one. Is that a batteries? Or it's, I don't know, it's dead or something. I bought it just for the fun of it. I'm not actually going to look after it. <laughs> but it was just so fun having um, Digimon. And I think... Getting that Tamagotchi was also sort of the kickstarting of me becoming real passionate about technology, whether it's gaming hardware or whether it's just computers or stuff like that. So I got that Digimon Tamagotchi and my good friends, Adam and Jordan, who were my best friends pretty much throughout primary school, um, you know, we battled together. We, you know, cleaned our poop together. Like we did all, that, did all that type of thing. And I still remember like battling to trying to evolve it. And this is the moment where I, I, I remember standing in the middle of the schoolyard with those two boys. And I'm like, all right, let's see if we can find anyone else who's into Digimon. And I remember going up to another group of 
uh, people. And they've all got their Digimon as well. I'm like, hey, my name's Drew. And how you going? You're into Digimon 2RC. Do you want to battle? Do you want to hang out? And in that other group was actually my my now best friend, Bryce DeWitt, who I do the House of Mario podcast with each week. And that's how we became friends because we're both into Digimon. We both had the Tamagotchis and through that, it's sort of like a shared interest, got us to battle and all that, which was, thinking back on it, is really cool how something like that can just bring us all together. And like the Digimon Tamagotchis, it wasn't just a Tamagotchi. They had like, they had this, uh, I guess it's the equivalent of a, a Pokedex. It was called the, uh, I'd had it in my head, uh, the Digi... Oh, I just had it in my head. I just lost it. But there was like the detector. The there's like D everything, and I remember just like being really excited to buy each like each one as it goes on, and um, just finding out what it does differently to the other ones, and it was just really cool. And it was also in year three, two thousand three, uh, for me. So how how long ago was that now? Is that seventeen years ago? No, shit, it is. Holy shit, I just feel old all of a sudden. Holy crap. Is that 17 years ago? Jesus Christ. No, you're right. Yeah, so I'm like, I think I think sometimes, like sometimes I feel like, you know, 26, like, oh god, it's I'm not I'm not that old, but then you think like I got my first Pokemon game 17 years ago. And like for people that got into red and blue and that, and it's even longer, but 17 years, holy crap. So I'm just having like a big nostalgia hit. On air right now. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> but yeah. So I guess the, the Digimon phase, it seems to be sort of wearing out by this time. By the end of 2003, which in hindsight doesn't seem like that long at all. But at the time, it seemed like a seemed like freaking five years. But yeah. So I remember uh, we, my friend Adam and Jordan... And I were reading a K-Zone magazine. And K-Zone, I think it stands for Kids Zone. It's like a little uh, kids magazine. It has gaming, jokes, all, all different things uh, in it. I haven't read it in years, obviously. But I remember it being super popular magazine. I absolutely loved it when I was a kid. And there was an ad for Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire in there. And I remember those two guys are looking at it going, oh, look at the new Pokemon game. Look at the graphics. Look at the new Pokemon. It looks so good. It's like, oh, do you, do you reckon you'll get it? Like, like, yeah, I reckon I'll get it. It looks really good. And they said, oh, Drew, do you reckon you'll get the new Pokemon game? And I'll be honest, at that time, I was so into the show. I loved, I could name all the Pokemon. I could sing to the uh, Pokemon rap, but I didn't know Pokemon were games. Not at all. (laughs) I didn't know, uh, yeah, I didn't know Pokemon were originally games. I just knew the cartoon. I had the toys and the trading cards. And actually, oh, now I've just remembered what got me to go from getting me into Pokemon. Sorry, I'm just going to back up a little bit. Um, so with the Pokemon, if you, here in Australia, we have Smith chips. And a lot of the times back then, they came with uh, cards. So I, I do remember um, they came with little holographic Pokemon cards. And I got obsessed with that. I obviously, <laughs> collecting really, really got me as a kid. And I think it still gets me now, to be honest. <laughs> but... Uh, I remember getting the chips and maybe the link from watching the cartoon to getting and collecting the chips um, got me into more into Pokemon. And that's what happened with Digimon too. After the Pokemon cards, the Digimon cards came out and they were very much the same thing. You could like, you know, the holographic, you'd like turning them and you can like see it turns from Agamon Greymon to Metal Greymon as you're like you're, you're moving the angle of the card. They're really cool. I've actually still got them. I actually, I completed the Digimon set 
um, and I haven't completed the Pokemon set. I think I was missing a few cards. There was a there was a, a folder that came with a special Meowth card, and it was exclusive to Foster's Foodland for some reason in my town. Don't know why Foodland of all places. That's the only place you could get it, and it just sold out so quick. Um, so I never got it. So I think I was just missing Meowth. There's a few other cards where I had to send off to Smiths and be like, hey, I'm missing a few cards. Can you help me out here? And they actually sent them to me once they were all, all finished with. So yeah, so that was the missing link, the uh, the cards and the chips. And I remember enjoying those cards and the chips more than I enjoyed the actual Pokemon trading card game, which, you know, big, nice cards with beautiful art and all that. And uh, yeah, I, yeah, I'm just like... Stuff is coming to me. Sorry, it's a bit um, unorganized here, but I'm just really remembering some stuff. I sat down and wrote some notes before the show, but I really am remembering stuff as we go on. It's really quite cool. And I remember my granddad who passed away when I was real young, but he came over from the UK along with grandma to actually be with me and mum and dad, uh, which was really cool. And just thinking back to um, how big a move that was is just really heartwarming um, but where I'm going with this is I, he went, he went back to the UK to see family and stuff. And when he came back, he came back with a heap of Pokemon cards and those Pokemon cards, they weren't just, you know, the standard Pokemon cards, but they were all Japanese Pokemon cards. So they had like the different back, they had the Japanese text. And, um, when you're a kid and you're getting like some real unique stuff, you can't just go to the shop and get, it, it was just real cool. So I guess, uh, with Pokemon, I'm just, <laughs> it's just, Pokemon goes back just so long for me. So I guess it started off watching the show. I got obsessed with the cards and all that. Then that probably got me back into the show. And that's where we are now in 2003. When my friends are looking at <laughs> at this ad and I didn't know there were Pokemon games. They had no idea they were Pokemon games. Obviously, they originally started off as games. It was a game series that turned into an anime, turned into merchandise and everything. But this is the first time I'm aware there's a game. And I'm there trying to act cool, like I'm I know about Pokemon. I'm like, yeah, yeah, man, I'm getting the games, yeah, absolutely. But I didn't know, I didn't know, I didn't don't think I ever knew what a Game Boy was. To be honest, I just wasn't sort of clued into that world of video games. Um, I didn't know Pokemon was a Nintendo thing at all. <laughs> no idea. Um, so that Christmas, I said, Mum, Dad, I would love a Game Boy Advance SP. I'd really love one. I want to play Pokemon Sapphire. I want Sapphire because blue was my favorite color at the time. Now it's probably red. Um, if you're watching the video, I'm wearing a white uh, baseball, not a white baseball tee, but a white and red baseball tee. So I think red's my favorite color now. So if I was going for a game now, maybe I'd pick Ruby. But then I said, I want Pokemon Sapphire. And this was, <laughs> it was one of the uh, <laughs> most... I'm not going to say heartbreaking, but it was heartbreaking at the time. So the Christmas tree that year, mum puts two presents underneath the tree. One's a big box and the other one's like a smaller box. I'm like, okay. It wasn't it wasn't the size of the Game Boy box and it wasn't the size of a, like a game box. So I'm like, all right. So I shake it and it rattles. It sounds like Lego. I'm like, right, this is a bit... Oh, well, I've got some Lego this year, not not a Game Boy. All right, so that's fair enough. Game Boy, you know, Game Boy's 200 bucks. The game's 50 bucks, you know. You know, we, we can't afford it, whatever. It doesn't really matter. And that year, um, I wake up Christmas morning, go to unwrap it all, and all it is, it's a shoebox. And it's just full of uh, wrapping paper. And I'm like, all right, so what's what the hell is this? You got me shoes? And why is it rattling? So I, I take it out, and there's a... There's a <laughs> 
there's like a, a jar of beans in there. I'm like, a jar of beans? What the hell? So I put that on the side and then amongst all the wrapping paper, there it is, the Game Boy Advance SP. And just expecting not to get, not to get it, let alone getting it from the present you definitely thought was not. <laughs> um, it's just, it was so cool. And in the other box, there was like, it was the same thing with Pokemon Sapphire. So the first thing I do is put it on charge, charge it up. Um, and then we go to my auntie's place for lunch. And, you know, no offense if my auntie or the rest of my family is watching this, but as a kid, I remember our sort of family Christmas dinners being really boring, just like nothing to do. Like it was like in a smaller backyard, not a whole lot to sort of do. Can't play chasey. A lot of my cousins are a lot older than me as well. So they were like, oh yeah, you know, they're probably teenagers when I'm like a real little kid. So this was the first year I had a portable gaming system to play at Christmas time. And I remember the time just going so fast. Um, and playing through Pokemon Sapphire was one of the coolest things. It was so, so good to finally um, be able to play in a world that I've loved so much through, you know, I've had the cards, I've had the um, been watching the anime. And now to actually be in that world, training my own Pokemon, well, something I can't describe how uh, exciting and happy that made me feel, especially like the lead up to the games coming out and getting the games. Obviously, learning about the new Pokemon, I really fell in love with Mudkip because um, it was it's just so cute. And I still love Mudkip. Those uh, original starter Pokemon from the Hoenn region are so good. Um, now, I probably think that Trico is my favorite, but back then, Mudkip was all the rage and I went through the game as probably the most newbie way um, you could pro probably think possible. I picked Mudkip and I pretty much evolved it into Swampert and just used Swampert. And as you know, when you first, if you're playing through a Pokemon game and you first learn Water Gun, Absorb or Ember, you're like, oh yes, I finally got a super effective move. Uh, it's going to be good. Um, so I actually went through the game just with like the original move set. So I had Water Gun, I had Tackle, <laughs> I had something else, I can't quite remember. And because... And when I got to the Pokemon League, I remember swapping, I think it was like, I think it was like Water Gun for Muddy Water or something. And once I did that, I'm like, holy shit, you're way stronger now. <laughs> so that's always a memory I've got, like looking back being like, man, how did you get through the game with a, just a Swamp It with Water Gun and Tackle? But don't know, I persevered and I, I did <laughs> somehow. So yeah, so the Game Boy, Game Boy Advance SP, one of my favorite systems even looking back on it and playing a lot of my memories are with the Game Boy Advance are with Pokemon, obviously Fire Red, Leaf Green coming out and I I went to school, um, couldn't bring my Game Boy to school but uh, a lot of the times we went to the computer room and we went to Cerebi.net and Cerebi uh, to this day is the best Pokemon resource on the internet. And it was no different back then. I think it actually looked the same back then. I think like the layout is like exactly the same, which is fine, you know, but it is what it is. And uh, Pokemon Fire Red Leaf Green were coming out in 2004. So we had a year um, in between sort of, uh, you know, playing through Pokemon uh, Ruby and Sapphire and then really waiting for Fire Red Leaf Green and looking at Cerebi.net each day, different information. Obviously the game coming out in Japan, a lot more information coming out. And then it came out in the US and I think it was like still a three month wait between the US and Australia. Like it was just nuts. Um, back then the wait for games was absolutely ridiculous. Like it just sucked. Um, but the wait for that was really, really 
I remember it just being real grueling. Like every day you're waking up like, oh, I can't wait for six months uh, till now because the new Pokemon game's coming up. And that was also one of the, I guess, memories of mine where I like, I remember like working for my mum and dad, like just doing stuff around the yard and getting cash. So then I've got the game on, on release day instead of having to wait for Christmas or birthday or whatever. So yeah, I really enjoyed Pokemon Fire Red Leaf Green. That was my first uh, sort of journey in the Kanto region because um, I didn't play Pokemon uh, Red and Blue or Yellow or whatever the f- what first one I played until like a few years later. Um, and I played Gold and Silver. I actually rented uh, Gold from a, a local game shop, which is uh, actually really, really cool to go back and play. It felt kind of weird going like as a kid, you're not so – you don't have the tolerance for worse graphics when you're a kid, I felt. Like I can go back to older games now and be like, you know what? It's from the 90s. It's going to look like crap. You know, whatever. It's fine. As long as it plays well and um, the controls are still okay, um, that's fine. But back then it's like, oh, these sprites look worse. This is shit. <laughs> yeah, like this, this isn't, I wouldn't say it looks like shit as a kid, but it doesn't look as good. Oh, I don't want to play that. I'd rather play the, the prettier one. Um, so, yeah, um, Gold and Silver was a big one there too. And um, I guess the, the other stuff apart from Pokemon and a random Digimon game I had on Game Boy was a Super Mario World. Super Mario World, as we all know, one of the great Mario games, one of the best games on the Super Nintendo. And I got to experience it on the Game Boy Advance. And I went to one of my local game retailers and bought the game for 80 bucks. And 80 bucks right now for probably a port of an older game. It's a lot. Uh, Pikmin 3 at the time of recording this is coming to Nintendo Switch um, as a deluxe edition. And it's 80 bucks. And that's like, oh, that's a lot of money for like, you know, how old is that game? Six-year-old game. But back then, 80 bucks. Think about without the inflation and think about as a kid. 80 bucks is a lot. But I'm like, I want to try I want to try Mario because I have like dabbled with uh, friends Nintendo 64s at the time. Really enjoyed uh, Mario 64 and Mario Kart. And, you know, I just know Mario is a quintessential part of Nintendo. And playing through that game, absolutely fell in love with it. The music, the art style, everything about it. Um, I did need Bryce's help to beat the last boss as far as I can recall. But I think he beat it. And then I went back and I, I remember just tr- beating it for fun, like throwing the mechanical Bowser's up and you know get him to lob onto Bowser's head. It was just a really cool last boss. And I think about Super Mario World as sort of the transition be- between being a Pokemon fan or an obsessed kid. <laughs> uh, yeah, from Pokemon to being a Nintendo fan because I guess after Pokemon, uh, it was Mario. Then it sort of transitioned throughout the rest of Nintendo's franchises. So I guess uh, that leads on to 2005 when Nintendo DS came out and I was really looking forward to Nintendo DS. Uh, At this stage, I started getting into uh, video game magazines uh, I think there was one called Total Gamer, which was like a more of a kids gaming um, magazine. And there was Hyper Magazine and just multiple, multiple magazines I was reading each. I was lucky enough where my parents were like, um, yeah, you can you can get this magazine. Oh, cool. And I'd, I'd read a lot. And in hindsight, you know, it's probably a good move on them because I was really excited to read those. And as a kid, I kind of I struggled with reading and all of that. So anything that I'm reading probably would have been a good thing because <laughs> if I wasn't into gaming, I, I, I wasn't necessarily into reading, you know, fiction or nonfiction or anything like that. So uh, it probably was a good thing, but I was into gaming because I was reading Pokemon. I was reading magazines about gaming and that might've been what drove me to really trying to improve, improve my literacy. And I think it was at the end, I'll probably get into more of that in high school. 
But Nintendo DS, I, re- I was reading about it a lot in magazines, and I still remember a picture in uh, I think it was I think it was Total Gamer where there was a rumor that Nintendo's next handheld is going to contain two screens, and it had a picture of a Game Boy Advance SP just with like two screens next to each other. I'm like, oh, that looks that looks pretty silly, pretty dumb. Um, but when the DS got announced and that's shown off all the features and everything, I just remember being mind blown as a kid. Because you, you got to remember back in 2004 when the I think it, when the DS came out in uh, North America and um, obviously not to a year until we got it here in Australia. But back then, a touch screen, a touch screen was only like on an ATM <laughs> at a shopping center or something. Had a microphone, had you know the two screens. Uh, it just looks so. Looking back on it now, it's just so. Um, it doesn't look that impressive at all. But it. At the time, as a kid, it was just so impressive. And even against the PSP, the PSP had a great screen and great graphics. But um, the stuff that the DS could do just left the PSP in the dark. Uh, like, this is coming from me at very biased because I really was a Nintendo fan at this stage. And looking back on the PSP, it you know I never actually ended up getting one. But we'll go into more of the Sony side of things uh, later on. So... Um, this was the first time I was, when I got my DS, this is the first time I was able to get Super Mario 64, my own copy. Uh, Super Mario 64 DS had uh, was it 30 more stars, uh, had better graphics, had more characters. You could play as Yoshi, uh, Luigi, Wario, and they all had their different abilities. Um, they updated Mario, so he had the uh, fire, fire flower ability. Uh, Wario had, um, you could be Metal Wario. Uh, Luigi, you could go invisible, and Yoshi, I think you could burn things. You had like pepper in your mouth, you go pool. So that was cool. I did enjoy that very much um, because Super Mario 64, one of my favorite games to this day, and I didn't have a Nintendo 64, and I could only play it at friends' places. So having it portable, better graphics, more features, yes, please. It was awesome. And when I hear uh, sort of discussions about the game now, the, it's only revolving around the game being a pain in the ass to control because it doesn't have a uh, an analog stick. And like when I actually think about it, I'm like, yeah, it is kind of funny that the game that has to show off Nintendo 64's brand new feature, the analog stick, that would go on to sort of change modern gaming just full stop. Um, yeah, they, they remake the game on a D-pad. <laughs> it is kind of funny. But as a kid, I didn't really care. I didn't even think about it. And if I go back to it today, maybe I'll be like, yeah, this D-pad sucks. And but I didn't even think about it at the time. And uh, that game, if you haven't played it, boot up a DS, get over the D-pad factor because it is an excellent remake. Really cool with new features in that. Um, and the other one was a Mario Kart DS. Uh, obviously, another game where I played a lot on Nintendo 64. Uh, Mario Kart 64, absolutely loved it with friends. And Mario Kart DS to me was a a game that really. I put I would have put like a thousand hours into it. I got no idea. I played it so much. I probably I think I played it all the way from 2005 or 2006. I think it released here. Was it 2005? I think it was 2005. I think it was. I'm just trying to remember like who my teacher was at school when I had this game. That's how I sort of remember the years. But I think it was 2005 until Mario Kart Seven came out on 3DS. And even Mario Kart 7, that didn't really live up to my expectations. But I absolutely loved Mario Kart DS. So such a phenomenal game. Um, and like just like the mission modes and everything about it. And I really enjoyed the gameplay. And what sort of hindered Mario Kart DS for a lot of people was snaking. 
So snaking is basically doing continuous power slides and getting turbo boosts off of just continuously doing it. Um, but I sort of saw this as how a lot of people might see wave dashing in a Super Smash Bros. Melee, where it is kind of like a skill. And I did really, really enjoy that. But looking back on it now, where I'm playing Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, it does take away just the fun Mario Kart part of it. Like it kind of just makes wet, like if, if you're snaking and the other people aren't snaking, it doesn't matter if they've got blue shells or bananas or bob-ombs, they're just going to absolutely smash you. <laughs> so it does take away just the fun Mario Kart thing. So I am happy it is removed, but at the time I really did enjoy Mario Kart DS for that. And it was uh, the first Nintendo Wi-Fi connection game as well. I remember playing online, like it was pretty very basic and I had to get the little Nintendo Wi-Fi adapter for your PC. It was only about, uh, say, size. It's like a pretty hefty USB stick. And put it into the bottom of our computer. But the problem was is like our firewall kept them blocking it. And me as a 10-year-old kid on the PC troubleshooting, trying to work out how to let this Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi work and not be blocked by the, the firewall and that. It was just a nightmare. It really was. It was not easy whatsoever to get it connected to Wi-Fi. And even with the Wii uh, in the future where I had to get like an extender and like extend the USB stick over like a bench we have so then it could get the signal signal like... 10 meters away in the lounge room. It was just ridiculous what I had to do to sort of try and download stuff onto those systems. But yeah. Um, so Mario Kart DS and obviously the Pokemon games on there. I'm, I'm going to talk about Pokemon on every single platform because that is something where I just really, really loved it. So Pokemon, uh, um, what was it? Diamond Pearl. Uh, really fantastic games. Uh, they're probably looking back on it, they're probably like halfway down my rank of like favorite Pokemon games. But the anticipation for those games was just unreal. Obviously, new graphics, Wi-Fi, two screens, um, just wireless trading without the use of the adapter. Just, It was just amazing. And the GTS and being able to trade stuff uh, online with random people was awesome. And Pokemon Heart Gold, Soul Silver, I probably, if I have to sit down and be like, what are the best Pokemon games, even necessarily without your opinions with your opinions taken out, what would the best games be? And I'll have to say Pokemon Heart Gold and Soul Silver on DS. Um, just great content. Just the graphical style is so pretty, so vibrant. Um, even to this day, I I can't I can't knock it. It's just amazing. And Platinum, obviously, very similar. Just uh, um, updated Diamond and Pearl. And um, was it? Oh yeah, there's heaps of games on DS now. I'm thinking, yeah, um, Pokemon Black and White, Pokemon Black and White Two, awesome as well. The DS had awesome Pokemon games. It really did. Uh, a lot of them too, uh, let alone the spin-off games, which I probably won't go into here. What else have I written down here? And Animal Crossing, of course, Animal Crossing. This is where I got into the Animal Crossing series on uh, on DS. Uh, Animal Crossing Wild World. Um, we have a, We had a target country uh, here in town, and that's where I used to get my games. Uh, they were like 50 bucks instead of 60 or whatever they were back then. I can't quite remember. But I remember going in there and just seeing the, the art and seeing... Uh, like the Animal Crossing art with like the wild world and like all the animals and that. And I hadn't really played The Sims. I hadn't really played any game like it. And I didn't really know what it was, to be honest with you. I sort of just read the back of the box and I know it's a Nintendo game. And I sort of went, yeah, whatever. Let's, let's get it. I want a game from a DS. And I absolutely fell in love with it. Being able to just talk to different villages and organize your town. And um, like I'll be sitting watching TV or something and I'll be just planting trees and catching fish and just relaxing. It was just so good. 
it was an absolutely fantastic game and it really did make me become a big fan of the series and it's kind of a shame looking back. I've talked about this before, but um, Animal Crossing New Leaf on 3DS, I played it for about 50 hours, but I didn't touch it anywhere probably near as much as Wild World, even though New Leaf is undoubtedly a better game with more content and just more robust in general. Um, so now on Nintendo Switch, I'm yeah trying to make sure that I actually get into the, the new Animal Crossing. So yeah, Animal Crossing, awesome on DS. Really like it. So I've got like a million games on DS I can go through. There's like Super uh, Mario Hoops Tree on 3 and just there, there's a lot. There's the Zelda games, which I, you know, liked, uh, especially Spirit Tracks. Spirit Tracks has some of the best music in the whole Zelda series at me if you disagree with that. But let's move on to the Nintendo Wii. Uh, so at this point, um, it's been building up through the Game Boy Advance. You know, I'm looking forward to DS. You know, I did a bit of research in my magazines. Uh Equating myself with um, different Nintendo franchises on uh, Nintendo DS, really, really, you know, I was starting to follow this company a bit more through um, just magazine content. And occasionally when I went to the public library, I'd like look at Nintendo stuff. But the Wii, I remember when they announced Nintendo Revolution. Uh, so this would have been, oh, this would have been 2005 as well or 2006. Um, 2006 was when they announced Nintendo Revolution at E3. And I remember, holy moly, this is going to be so exciting. Brand new console, Nintendo Revolution. And at the time, I I wanted a GameCube. Uh, all my friends, they had a Nintendo 64 and a PlayStation 2. And I could go I could go to their place. I could play you know, Smash Bros or whatever on Nintendo 64. Then we could go and play GTA, uh, Simpsons Hit and Run, um, some was it Digimon Rumble Arena. Like they had Ratchet and Clank, you know, just whatever on there and I liked going and playing them at friends' places, but I didn't need one myself. And I wanted to play Pokemon Coliseum. I wanted to play Mario Sunshine. And I think not the main tools. I loved Mario and I loved Pokemon at this time. So I said to mum, mum, I would love a Nintendo GameCube for Christmas this year. And she went to the shop and she, and she asked the guy, hey, my son wants a GameCube. I know nothing about video games. Uh, educate me, please, a uh, salesman. And this is this is what I assume they must have said, because they must have said, you know what, Nintendo, they're not very good. GameCube's a crap. Uh, what you want is a PlayStation Two. They got a lot more games on there. So then Mum said, oh, okay, fair enough. And I just, I don't know that that's exactly how it went down, but Mum Mum came back home or came she she talked to me <laughs> and said, all right, Drew, uh, I went I went to uh, Game Traders. And the guy said that GameCubes aren't very good. Um, do you? But do you want a PS2? Because you know they got they got more games and stuff on there. And I just went, oh, okay then. Now nah, I don't really need a GameCube. I can go to Adam's place. I can go to Jordan's place. I don't really need a GameCube. I, mean, I don't really need a PlayStation 2. So um, yeah, that was left there. And it sort of really it really does annoy me that that someone could just go, no, don't get this because I didn't want to. I didn't want to. A console just to play games. I had a lot of friends who I went to their places a lot when I was a kid and uh, played games at their place. It was like a lot of multiplayer stuff and GTA when you swap the controller when you die and all that type of thing. But I wanted I wanted the GameCube for Pokemon and Mario, which I'm not getting on a PlayStation. <laughs> so yeah, just thinking. I think I think back to that, and I think it is important that if someone does ask you like, all right, what what do you recommend for a console? 
you could easily say, you know, the PlayStation 4 is such a good console, man. Like you got Uncharted, like Naughty Dogs knocking it out of the park. You know, Infamous is fantastic. You got all these games. But like the kids like, you know what? I'm really into Halo. I enjoy playing Halo. And yeah, I mean, I wouldn't mind playing Gears of War as well. I mean, maybe a kid should be playing that. That's a bad example. But it it it's, it definitely does come into consideration when, you know, you're buying for a kid. And I wanted, yeah, I wanted Pokemon and Mario. But it, it doesn't really matter because it was only like a year or so later when they announced uh, Nintendo Revolution and really excited about it. I went to the public library and I had a folder which I wrote on it saying Nintendo Revolution and I printed out all of these pictures and information from Awada Asks and everything about it. I had this folder just like about Nintendo Revolution. It was, I found it like a few years ago and it was just like crazy <laughs> what I've done. Uh, I don't have it with me right now, but it had like a picture of like the VR uh, headset that was like a mock-up as well. But, oh, this is this is very exciting. <laughs> and uh, it just like had pictures of the, the controller at the time because we knew what the controller was. It was like all in different colors. It was like red, green, white, black. Like it looked really cool just all together. I think that was actually part of the marketing material um, before they renamed it. And yeah, I was all invested. I, I knew that I was uh, going to try and get one. And uh, you know, I think the main thing that really got me in was Wii Sports. The idea, like the motion controls to me at the time as a kid were really exciting. Um, they just looked like fun. And that's what the, the Wii ultimately turned into. But I still remember the day when the Wii was announced. And well, the name Wii was, was announced. Uh, Nintendo.com.au. I remember going to the news bit there and seeing... <laughs> like uh, we it's like it's just it's like uh, we is pronounced uh, w we as in as in we I'm like oh no I remember going to school and just like everyone's like ah ha, 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 we what a stupid name I'm like yeah yeah it is pretty pretty weird because you know we you know it's piss you know <laughs> but that, it didn't affect my um my excitement for the console and um, you know, get, getting closer to it, you know, the name Wii just started to sound normal. And even saying it now, Nintendo Wii, you can see one up in the corner here. Um, just, it, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't really matter the name. I think the name's actually quite good, to be honest. It's very recognizable. It's Wii, it rolls off the tongue. Everybody knew it. Everybody could say it. Uh, whereas like, you know, at the time, Xbox 360 didn't roll off the tongue quite as well. That's still a cool name. Don't get me wrong, but... Nintendo Wii just hit a much wider audience and we all know how the story went. But the first few years of the Wii were really, really good. And apart from Wii Sports, the very first game I bought was The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess. And this was my introduction to The Legend of Zelda series. Um, At the time, I didn't think that I would like The Legend of Zelda. I remember not really being into medieval stuff and I used the example of like, you know, I'm not really into Lord of the Rings. I'm not really into... Uh, my friends at the time were playing like War, Warhammer and stuff. And I thought it was like, yeah, I just couldn't really get into it type of thing. And uh, my my best friend Bryce, who I've already brought up and is the co-host of our Nintendo podcast, The House of Mario. Um, he said, no, man, you need to you need to get this game. Especially at the time on Wii, there's not a whole lot. What are you getting? Rayman Raving Rabbids? Uh, whatever the hell else is out? Get The Legend of Zelda, for goodness sakes. Because he was, he was a big proponent of uh, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. That's one of that's his all-time favorite game on Nintendo 64, and he's got very good memories of that. Um, so I said, you know what? All right, 
I've got really nothing else to play. I'm not just going to play tennis all day. I would like to play a proper game. Not a proper game, but, you know, like play through a story and actually like, you know, progress through it rather than just picking it up and playing tennis or bowling. So I went to Target Country once again, and I bought this game for $100. And $100 when you're, how old was I? I'm going to say 10, 11. It's just, it was massive. <laughs> it was such a such an investment. And I just I remember I was staying over at Jordan's that night and I had it in the in the wrapper still and I like put it in the bag, kept it all safe and that and I got home and uh, popped it in. And Twilight Princess to this day is still one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, there there are things about that game that are very slow at the start and while while I didn't notice that the first time I played through, you know, when I've played other games and I've grown older, I have, I do acknowledge like the first hour of that game is very slow, very boring, uh, even to the point where it might even put me off going back and playing it. But it is an absolutely fantastic game from the perspective of the dungeon design and the story, the characters uh, really, it made me fall in love with the series. It made, it put the Legend of Zelda right next to Pokemon and Mario for me. Um, so ever since that game, I've been a huge Zelda fan. Um, and there was actually a, a funny a funny moment with that as well. I, I remember showing the game to a friend and I'm like trying to get a bit smart with the motion controls. I'm actually like, you know, doing the full sword swings and stabs and everything. And I was on the uh, the file select screen and the Wiimote sort of like lost calibration of where it was because I was swinging it about. And it went down to delete and I must have pressed A... <laughs> And I deleted my save file, my full save file, finished the game and everything. Um, and I just remember being like heartbroken, like, no, like how, how long was that game? 30, 40 hours? Holy moly. But that just gave me a reason to go through the game again and finish it again. I'm a kid. I got, I got time. <laughs> I had time. So yeah, Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess, absolutely amazing game. Um, Mario Galaxy, one of this, Mario Galaxy, especially two, and somewhat one are uh, some of the only games I can honestly say are 10 out of 10 and have very little wrong with them. Every, every game has something that's like, oh, you know, this could be better or whatever. But Mario Galaxy, one of the most perfect games of all time. It's just full of personality, full of brightness, just the level design, the idea around just the whole mechanic of Going around, getting the, going around the planets and everything, just phenomenal. I cannot stress Mario Galaxy enough. And um, with with the first game, I I didn't like the inventory. That was my major knock against it. I just hated like being like, all right, I need to go and get more stars in this level. But to do that, you've got to like teleport up twice and like work out how to get there. It wasn't like Mario sixty four where you're like, all right, I want to I want to uh, go to the lava level. I've got to go down to the basement, jump through the painting. It was just like, all right, I've got to like teleport here. And there's like, like a map. It's like, I don't really know where I'm going. Um, if I go back to it now, I might just realize I was a big idiot when I was younger. But I really didn't like that overworld. It was just really quite boring. Um, so that kind of put a damper on that game as well. And I think another thing was that the, all, all the levels were mainly space leveled or space themed. Um, what, and what that sort of meant is all the, a lot of the backgrounds were just black. Whereas in Mario Galaxy 2, they sort of changed it to more blues uh, in the sky and everything where I think that just made all like the, the art direction just pop that bit more. And obviously with, uh, the, uh, was it, what was the, uh, level select called? Like the pl planet head Mario, where you're like on the star sh on the ship 
and you sort of like select levels just by going to just selecting them as you would in another Mario game. Um, and that was quite good too because you did have the overworld. You could talk to characters and as you're going throughout the game, like more characters join you on that starship and it was pretty cool. So, yeah. Uh, so we talked about uh, Wii Sports and Wii Sports was just an amazing game just for the fact that this is the first time my parents were like, oh, we'll boot up the Wii and uh, let's let's play some uh, video games. Never had that before. I had uh, my parents and my parents' friends just but oh, let's play some bowling. And it was just such a surreal feeling to be able to share my love for gaming, which I've had with Pokemon, the Game Boy and the DS and all that. And now my parents and like older people were generally having fun playing with me. And I was having fun and I was showing them how to like do the bowling. And in some instances they get a strike and I would like, you know, do a real bad throw and they'll be beating me. And it was just really cool. Um, so yeah, Wii Sports is just amazing. And Wii Sports Resort as well. I love the Wii Sports Resort. A lot of people might not have played it, but I remember the Pilot Wings um, sort of section of that game where you're using the Wiimote and you can sort of like control the plane by uh, turning the Wiimote around and you like, there's heaps of collectibles and places to explore on Woohoo Island. Uh, yeah, so that was really cool as well. And obviously having um, just better motion controls with the bowling and that was really cool too. Uh, Guitar Hero 3, this was a game Bryce and I played a lot. I usually played on hard. I got to the point where I actually got all right and played on hard and Bryce was just like sh- shredding it on um, Expert. But I remember just going, like, swapping the guitar back and forth, playing with Bryce, a lot of fun. Now, WarioWare Smooth Moves, uh, my favorite WarioWare game. And also the game that introduced me to that series, absolutely awesome. Um, we had so much fun just swapping the... Uh, yeah, another game where we swapped around the Wiimote and just tried to beat each other's high scores and try to get through. And it's just fun to watch as well. Like, you're just doing r- ridiculous things. Each game or each mini game, it tells you what position to put the Wiimote on, whether it's the like an elephant putting it on your head or uh, putting it on your hip and you're about to do like a hula hoop action. Uh, it's just a lot of fun to watch <laughs> people do. So that was fun. And the biggest game on the Wii for me and Bryce was Super Smash Bros. Brawl. And this, it, it was a game where I knew it was coming, but I wasn't super hyped for it necessarily. I was, uh, I was at the time, I was really looking forward to Mario Kart Wii and Mario Kart Wii ultimately turned out to be a huge disappointment for me. I think it was just, uh, I think it's the worst Mario Kart and I think it's just poorly, poorly balanced and not very good. But only a month after Super Smash Bros. Uh, Brawl came out and it was just absolutely awesome. And I played a lot of uh, uh, Smash Bros on Nintendo 64. I uh, didn't really play much Melee. I only played like a little bit at Bryce's place. Because I didn't really know many people that had a GameCube. So I didn't have that much, much access to it. But Brawl was an awesome, awesome game. Um, just like everything from the music, having all the characters together. It's like it, even at the time, it was like a Brawl had a bit more of a gritty art style, which at the time I liked. I liked the fact that uh, Smash Bros. for Wii U, they went back to like a more uh, colorful art style, which I do prefer, but at the time, the art style was really cool. And going through, originally I went for the uh, sub, sub, what's it called? Sub admiracy? I kind of forgot uh, what it was called, but I had, had a story mode where you play through several characters and I really enjoyed just going through the, the levels. And while it wasn't like the best thing ever, it was cool just getting to the cutscene and seeing how they interacted with one another, all the characters. And that is something I do miss from a, uh, the Smash Bros. games, even though we do get awesome cinematics for the introduction trailers, which are kind of like the same thing. They do like the scratch the same itch necessarily, but um, uh, Smash Bros. Brawl was the game where Bryce and I really got our competitive <laughs> edge um, towards one another. 
So we would like practice, we'll just play, 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 play together. And we played it over years and we did end up going to uh, multiple tournaments and stuff for the game. Never really doing uh, overly well, but it was cool uh, just to, you know, get into that sort of scene because uh, a lot of the games I play, they weren't necessarily designed for, you know, competitive play. Like I played a lot of Mario Kart and Pokemon, which wasn't uh, online at that point. The, the tournaments weren't as prominent as they are now. Uh, but yeah, Smash Bros. Brawl was right in there. So that was the... I would even say it's the game that got me into Smash Bros. Because Smash 64 definitely did. But, uh, you know, that was the first game I had myself, which I could play whenever I wanted and, you know, got good at. And we did have a, we did have a, some Wii's at school as well. Uh, one of their teachers, Mr. Bell, he was nice enough to go, all right, um, I want to sort of uh, come up with an idea to get kids, uh, you know, doing things that you know, are inside type of thing. So he got a couple of Wii's and he, he said, <laughs> they said, oh, well, you know, Drew's a big Nintendo fan. You should ask him what uh, what games you should get. And the first one at the time was Brawl, Super Smash Brothers Brawl. For goodness sakes, get Super Smash Brothers Brawl. And uh, yeah, so we're all... <laughs> We're all um, at school playing Super Smash Bros. Brawl for like, I think it was like year 12. Um, we we're like obsessed with Super Smash Bros. And uh, with, with the Wii too, after like the first three years, it really sort of died out, especially after 2010 when Donkey Kong uh, Returns came out. I feel like it just declined from there. Uh, you know, until, until Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword at the very end, but it, it really did decline over the years. And, it, and the Wii just become a Super Smash Bros. machine for me and my friends pretty much. But I guess uh, before we get there, uh, yeah, I guess around 2010, I was getting sort of tired of, uh, you know, just the lack of power and the lack of HD that the the Wii just couldn't bring, I guess. So I saved up and got an Xbox 360. And this was a, a big jump and it gave me access to a lot of the third, uh, third-party games that weren't coming to Wii. Whether it was Bioshock, Call of Duty... First party stuff from Microsoft like Halo. Um, yeah, so it was cool to, to get one of those. And I got I got an Xbox 360 because uh, between the PS3 and the Xbox, uh, a lot of my friends played Xbox at the time and the PS3 was literally double the price. I remember getting my Xbox 360 for 300 Australian. That's when the Elite was just uh, phasing out and it was bringing out the new sleeker model with the Wi-Fi built into it. And, and yeah, the PS3 was 600 bucks. I'm like, shit. <laughs> and like 2010, that was just before the sort of renaissance of uh, first-party support from Sony for the PlayStation as well. Um, so with the Xbox 360, what basically happened with that is I played a lot through Halo, uh, loved Halo on Xbox Live, and even thinking back to some of our uh, moments playing that game online, still one of the best online experiences I've ever had. Even to this day, uh, we teamed up, I was with Bryce and then some random people joined our team and we we're just talking, having fun. Just like, that was my first experience. Just like such a nice, <laughs> and such a funny when you think about it now, it's just experience was just like sitting down, talking, having fun, laughing, you know, jumping in weapons, like something blows up, just laughing about it and just talking, seeing how each other's going. And then we never added each other or anything. And that was it. That was pretty much it for, uh, my multiplayer on Xbox. Cause so I remember I got Call of Duty uh, Modern Warfare and I got that because at the time Modern Warfare 2 was out, but it was like 120 bucks. It was so expensive because it was one of the most popular games ever. Like it was just nuts, especially back then. So 
I just got the first one and I, was pl- I remember playing multiplayer on that and I tried to sort of recreate some of the Halo moments, but it just never happened. The community for that was just like, no, just you know, it's all, it's all about getting your kill streaks, all about doing this. So it kind of kind of fell flat for me. And, you know, I bought a few Forza games and that for the Xbox 360 as well. But at the end of the day, um, from going from Nintendo for my whole life and going to Xbox, I was just generally really bored <laughs> of the console. It just, they didn't really care about their first party support except for Halo, Forza, um, Fable at the time, Gears of War and that stuff. It just, it was just really sort of bland to me when I'm used to like colorful Nintendo stuff, I guess. So, um, yeah, I was just, it just sort of bored, it just sort of bored me, unfortunately. Um, so I did end up selling my Xbox 360 to, um, get a PlayStation 3. And just before I got a PlayStation 3, I got a PlayStation Vita. So the PlayStation Vita was my very first PlayStation console or handheld system, whatever you want to uh, define it as. And that's because um, of pretty much one game, which I saw in a snippet in like a bit of a cut together teaser trailer. And it showed off lots of the launch games coming in the PS Vita and had like a nice song going to it. And uh, the game that really caught my eye, just it had like three seconds of footage was Gravity Rush. And Gravity Rush, if you don't know, it's just a really beautiful sort of half anime, um, it's sort of anime slash French um, comic book art inspired as well. Because in the game, they talk French. They talk like, if you play the game, you know they talk a different language, but it's like, this isn't Japanese, but they're actually talking French because it's inspired from a, a, a French artist, like his style. But it also looks very anime. Um, and playing this game on PES Vita was just, it, it Gravity Rush became one of my favorite games of all time. It, it wasn't this, it's not necessarily like such an amazing game, but it's just like, you know, it's 10 out of 10. It's awesome. I'd probably give the first game a seven. It's a good game. It really is. But the art style and the characters is just everything I absolutely love about video games. And the mechanic of like pressing the trigger button, gravity goes neutral, then you can point in a direction and then you get shoot in that direction because the gravity is going that way. Absolutely awesome. Um, but the, with the Vita, there were some control, uh, things that really did set that game back and the game did come to PlayStation four in 2000, early 2017 before the sequel come out and that fixed a lot of those and just a really cool game. So that's why I got into PlayStation to buy that game and on the PS Vita as well. Like I fell in love with that console. It's just a real solid handheld uh, console. And, um, as you guys might be able to tell from this, I, I grew up. I started with handhelds, so even to this day, I still love my handhelds probably more than I like my consoles. Um, so yeah, I, Vita was awesome, and I played uh, Rayman Origins on that. Rayman, uh, the sort of reboot was just awesome. Uh, Hatsu Miku Project Diva, uh, this was a, a rhythm game on PlayStation Vita, which I played heaps and heaps. And according to an email I got from Sony, I think it is my most played game on that console, like forty plus hours, which is really <laughs> huge and a uh, mutant blobs attack, which was an indie game that came out and launched from a uh, drink box studios is really good as well. I played a lot of games on Vita, but I sort of just wrote just four down there just to talk about. And um, because of the Vita, I really, really fell in love with trophies, uh, the PlayStation's achievement system. So 
um, I wanted to sort of like sync all my stuff up on one profile. So I got a PS3 because of trophies. So anyone out there who says trophies don't matter, um, you know, I bought a PlayStation 3 because of this. And even through through this, this is where I, I fell in love with um, sort of more PlayStation first-party games. Um, one developer in particular, Naughty Dog, I, you know, I played through Uncharted 3. I thought it was quite good. I I went into it really hyped because all the reviews at the time were like, 10 out of 10, this is the best game ever. Oh, my God. And I came out of it being like, that was fun. It was a good story. It was very pretty, um, but whatever. But it wasn't probably until The Last of Us where I really, really enjoyed their content. Uh, just the characters, Joel and Ellie, their back and forth, the growth throughout the game, absolutely tremendous. Um, and the game doesn't necessarily end on a, oh, that's good or, oh, that's bad. It's, it just leaves you scratching your head being like, ooh, I've got to think about this. And it left us thinking, it left us scratching my head for like, you know, seven years until the next game came out, which I'll talk about later. And uh, I'm, I'd, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail about PS3 games, but just the last one on PS3 I want to talk about is Spec Ops The Line, which is another game where you're going through, you think you're doing the right thing. You're playing as a, you're playing as a soldier in the U.S. Army, and you're going through. You're thinking you're doing right, and you get to the end. You're like, "Oh, there's no black. There's yeah, there's no black and white necessarily how you're looking at it at the time." Um, but I'll leave it there. That's a game I've played through PlayStation Plus actually, so that was a really good get. Um, so I guess uh, so. Moving from I guess the 2010 to 2011 timeline, uh, Nintendo 3DS came out. When did it come out? I think it was 2011. Yes, it came out early 2011, March, I believe. And the 3DS, I was, this is each system I'm getting more and more excited for the next one because I'm becoming more of an obsessive Nintendo fan. So 2010, I was in year 10 at school. So I would have been 14, 15, say. I, mean, <laughs> I don't really know. But I was looking forward to the 3DS. And at E3, when they announced it in 2010, they shown off like 15 games I wanted from everything from Animal Crossing, Paper Mario, Mario Kart. They shown off like all of their franchises. And at the time I thought like that was going to come out in the first year. I'm like, holy shit, this is going to be amazing. But a lot of those games didn't come out to like three years after the 3DS came out. So when the, when the 3DS came out, uh, it's uh, launch library was absolutely terrible. It really was. Uh, just, just shocking. I think it came out with Nintendogs plus Cats, uh, Pilot Wings, um, Steel Diver. Like it came out with some pretty ordinary <laughs> launch games. Uh, not even Ocarina of Time remake that came out in June that year, so it was like three, three months away. Uh, still, and that was like the main draw to sort of pick it up at launch. But I was just really excited with a lot of hardware. I'm just excited to see what it feels like. Um, with the 3DS, I was excited to see what the, the 3D uh, slider, how that worked, what the 3D screen looked like, how the buttons felt, um, just everything about it. So I was keen just to get the unit itself, whether um, it had amazing games with it at the time, I didn't really care. So uh, I bought it through a Dick Smith sale and that came with a free copy of uh, Rayman 2, which I never played. So I got the port of that and that's all I, that's all I bought. I didn't, I didn't want to play Nintendogs again. I didn't want to... I think I got... Uh, I got uh, Street Fighter 4 and Pilot Wings later. Um, but when I when I got the 3DS, just really excited, got it up, and 
just wanted to see what the 3D looked like. And on Raymond, I remember my eyes just twitching, just like my muscles were spasming out because they're just not used to the 3D. So that, that's one of the, <laughs> I can't believe how like my eye was, my head was shaking. Just, oh, just, it was uh, pretty intense <laughs> and not in a good way. <laughs> not in a good way. I wasn't just like blown away by the graphics or anything. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, 3DS, really, really uh, quite rough start. Even pilot wings. It was just like, it was just like the pilot wings ripped out of Wii Sports resorts, uh, which I really liked. I, like I said, I really liked that Wii Sports um, game, but for 60 bucks on 3DS, don't know. wasn't worth it, but you know, when you get a system at launch, you just, you, you buy some stuff. You wouldn't necessarily buy when some more quality content's out. And then, um, yeah, I think it was June or July, uh, Ocarina of Time came out. And that was my first time being able to own that game and play it through. I know I could have played it on virtual console or any other means throughout some of my other Nintendo consoles, but I uh, just for, sort of never felt the drive to um, go back and play through it. But with, with this copy now, I finally had the chance to play it. I played through and I got to the water temple and we all know that the water temple is infamous for, you know, getting lost in there or having to move your iron boots and swap out items and just whatever. And I don't necessarily have that excuse on the 3DS version, but I got there. I remember playing it in the car and I got there and I got like halfway through it. I'm like, oh, I'm a bit stuck. I can't really be bothered doing this right now. I'll get back to it. And if you, if you were doing that on say, um, on the console, you wouldn't do that because you'll be you'll be sat on your couch. You'll be like, all right, I'm going to do this because I'm here now. But it's just so easy to just close the lid and be like, all right, let's put it aside. Let's not worry about it. So when I come back to it, I had no idea where I was. I had no no idea what I was doing. I put it down and I didn't touch it for a long time. And then like, say, I'm going to have a guess. Say a year later, I'm like, I've got to finish Ocarina of Time. I can't be a Nintendo fan. I can't talk about Nintendo games and not have played Ocarina of Time. That's a bit bit rich drew come on uh so i come back and i'm like i've got no idea what i'm doing i don't think it was until 2000 and i'm gonna say 18 when i finally beat that game it was just nuts how long it took me to do that um but yeah i still even when i beat it i think it was like oh it's really good but it's another one of those games where i'm like it's been hyped up over the years that much where i was like it can never live up to those expectations um, but yeah, awesome Zelda game. But personally, I do prefer uh, Twilight Princess. I do think Twilight Princess has better dungeon design. Um, and if you disagree with me, you know, that's fine. That's cool. <laughs> uh, what else we got here? Um, Pokemon Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire. Uh, throughout all of these years, I was really, really waiting for a remake of Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire. Uh, they're my first games. They're my first Pokemon games. And I wanted to see them remade real, real bad. And when they announced that these games were coming out, I was just over the over the moon, just so excited. And ultimately for me, they did turn out to be a bit of a disappointment. They were missing uh, quite vital things that made those, uh, at least Pokemon Emerald, really good. Like the Battle Frontier, they sort of just said, oh, you know, a lot of people don't uh, play through it. So it's not worth us putting it in there. And it's just... And they sort of like mixed the storyline in with the Mega Revolution line from Pokemon X and Y. It was just, I don't know. It's just, it just wasn't as good, to be honest. It lost some of its magic. And it's a real shame because, you know, Heart Gold and Soul Silver, they didn't lose the magic of the original Gold and Silver games. So it's a shame that uh, these sort of lost the magic of Ruby and Sapphire. But I did go back in 2016 to play these games when the Pokemon Go fever was super powerful. I went back and like played the national decks and everything, and uh, I did I did end up enjoying those games. I put over a hundred hours into it, so 
definitely got my money's worth. But um, if I had to rank like my favorite games, it wouldn't take over the originals for me, um, which I kind of wish it kind of wish it did. But it is what it is. Uh, next up is Kid Icarus Uprising, and this is a game that was uh, made by Sakurai after Super Smash Bros. Brawl. Uh, just uh, really cool because Super Smash Bros. Brawl, one of my well, my main character was Pit. And Pitt was recreated basically for that game to include voice acting, to have a personality, uh, have a different weapon. Instead of just a bow and arrow, he has a, like a blade staff where he spins around. And, you know, he's just given so much more personality. So now having his own game where the new, like, surrounding characters also get fleshed out and all of that, it was really awesome. Really, really awesome. <laughs> um. And seeing reviews come out at the time, it was like, oh, these controls are not very good. Basically, for the controls, it was an on-rail shooter and you use the bottom screen of the stylus to aim your reticule on the top screen. And, you know, that wasn't great. It wasn't wasn't great to the point where uh, the developers actually bundled in a stand for your 3DS to put it up on there so it doesn't uh, fatigue your wrist quite as much by holding the actual unit itself. Um, but going into it, knowing the controls are a bit, you know, bit meh, and you have to be at a table or something like that to play it. Um, going through the story, I, I just played the whole thing with headphones on, um, listening to the music, the voice acting. It was just really, really great. It's probably one of my favorite games, Kid Icarus Uprising. And like as you're going through it, you're going through the level, you're beating up enemies, you're getting rewards as you're going. You've got like the bad guys, your allies, and yourself sort of talking to one another as you're going through it. And it's kind of like listening to a a relevant podcast as you're going through it. And like, you've got Pitt sort of going off with Hades, who's the main villain of the game, sort of having shit talk with one another. And it's just really good. And the music with it is excellent. If you've, you've probably heard it in super smash bros for Wii U or smash ultimate, but it's, it's some of my favorite. It's one of my favorite soundtracks too. It's just like excellent game. It's uh, yeah. Made by Sakurai. So um, if you haven't played it, go and try it. Just acknowledge that the, the stylus controls aren't great. Maybe play it on a table w- without having to hold it up with one hand, but absolutely fantastic. And uh, Legend of Zelda Link Between Worlds. Um, I remember being really excited for Super Mario 3D Land on Wii U when this came out. But Link Between Worlds was... <laughs> it came out of nowhere because I don't remember being that excited for it. I remember like being excited for it. I bought it on a launch day. But I was expecting to enjoy Mario more because it was the big console game. But it was Link Between Worlds that actually took my attention and I really enjoyed that. And like the end of that story uh, really took me by surprise as well. It sort of made me drop my jaw and be like, holy crap. And I don't know, it might be obvious to some people playing through it now. If you know the spoilers, it might not impact you quite as much. But the the end of that game was just uh, really, really moving, to be honest. So excellent game. And obviously with uh, the mechanic of uh, sticking to the walls, going through cracks, going to low roll as well, uh, just absolutely excellent game. <laughs> so uh, let's let's go back, I guess, a bit from uh, where were we? Uh, end of the 3DS. So let's go back to late 2012 for the Wii U. And the Wii U was, it's a console I was anticipating was looking forward to it uh, when they announced that they'll bring in a brand new console at 2011. They announced, you know, we're going to bring in a brand new console. It's called Project Cafe or something along the lines of that. And by this time, I was really, really looking forward to getting rid of the Wii name, 
getting rid of the casual stuff, the motion controls, and just getting back to good games with hardware that will be able to run them properly because the Wii really wasn't uh, doing that at the time. So it was 2011. Uh, I was watching E3 with like Bryce and um, not with Bryce, but I think he was on Facebook Messenger or something. And Awada comes on stage and announces that it, the new console is called the Wii U. And the first feeling is instant disappointment because it's called, it's still got the Wii branding. And the second bit is like the Wii U. And they, they sort of go into it saying, oh, you know, the Wii is for like the group and then the U is just you on the gamepad. And you, it's going to be able to utilize the, the controller in different ways and all of this stuff. It's like, oh, whatever. And they're showing off that it's going to have third party support with Batman and Assassin's Creed and all this. It's like, oh, well, that's, that's kind of reassuring. And it wasn't until E3 next year when we learned more about the console and that the console would actually have proper analog sticks and it's refined with the grips on the back and everything. Um, but there wasn't that much at launch as well. There was only uh, New Super Mario Bros. U and uh, Zombie U and a few of these titles coming out. So uh, I was looking forward to it because I was obviously, once again, a big Nintendo fan. I liked playing with the tech they brought out because, like, for example, like with a PlayStation, I might say, hey, here's a new PlayStation, but the controller was the same pretty much throughout and it wasn't that fun. But with Nintendo, each each system they have is extremely tactile in the way you actually play with it. So um, I was looking forward to just playing with the gamepad, to be honest, and playing Nintendo Land, which came bundled with the deluxe edition and being able to play sort of a brand new uh, gameplay style. But this was in uh, 2012 and I was in year 12 and this is the Wii U came out in December 12th, 2012. So at this time I was like, you know, this is when I'm studying, this is when I'm doing exams. And the Wii U for me sort of signifies um, getting through exams, getting through high school, finishing it, having that sudden breath of relief because I was really stressed in year 12. Like I, I, I was never the best at school with assignments and that, you know, my grades were fine. Um, I was like, you know, the B's, C's and sometimes A's type of category. Um, you know, I tried hard and that's, that's what I could, what I could do. But uh, the stress, I was so stressed by the end of it. And I still remember just the sudden relief of like, oh, we're done finally. And then that's when the Wii U came out. And once I was all finished and that was sort of my, uh, that was what I was looking forward to at the end of the tunnel type of thing. And the Wii U was a, it was a, it was a hard time to be a Nintendo fan. It really was. Um, I, I had already, you know, I'm already in the PlayStation ecosystem a fair bit and just seeing, um, what Nintendo's doing with like sort of the, the lack of preparedness. And it, it was really baffling how it seemed like Nintendo, there wasn't a lot coming out on Wii. So we thought it's all going into Wii U and, but it, that just wasn't the case. And even just some of like the small things on the Wii U, like the gamepad having the same shape ch uh, charger port as the 3DS, but on the gamepad, it's just a little bit bigger. And on the pro controllers for the Wii U, they use micro, <laughs> micro USB which is like they all use different charging methods. And it's just like that lack of thinking of like how this all comes together just really kind of showed you um, what the Wii U was, <laughs> which wasn't good, unfortunately. But there were some amazing games on there. And while we had to wait from the end of 2012 to, say, May 2014, I, f I still feel like today they are some of the best games uh, Nintendo 
um, has made in these series. So the first one is Mario Kart 8. That came in in May 2014. And when I bought my Wii U, obviously, like I said, I wanted to feel it. I wanted to see what the control is all about. But the main thing I was looking forward to was Super Smash Bros. and Mario Kart. They are my one of, well, I don't know. I don't know what order they're in, but some of my favorite series. And I'll buy every single one. I'll play the crap out of all of them. Unless they do what they did to Mario Kart Wii where it just wasn't that good. But Mario Kart 8, uh, obviously there's the there's the, the deluxe edition now, but uh, that game was awesome. It was just the gameplay, the graphics, just like everything with uh, Luigi's and Mario's moustache blowing in the wind, uh, the levels, all fantastic. The only gripe I had with it was the battle mode, which was just really bad. It was timed. It was only on like select courses, which was just like, why are they on courses? <laughs> just wasn't good at all but with the deluxe edition they did fix that they did make it more of a traditional battle mode um so yeah i i remember waiting for mario kart 8 and super smash bros for wii u this was a long long wait uh came out at the end of 2014 and it got announced 2013 at e3 um nintendo's first uh direct they ever did first one with uh Awada, sort of our Nintendo headquarters, and they announced it at the very end. And this might be one of the most hyped moments in my sort of gaming fandom I've ever had. It was just awesome. Going through the whole thing, they're announcing a lot of nice games for 3DS and Wii U, and we know Super Smash Bros. is at this direct. We know because um, they said that Mario Kart and Smash Bros. will be here, so we know it's going to be here. And it starts off with uh, the villager getting an invite and he runs off. And then it kicks into the music where it goes through all the logos for all the franchises. This is like Legend of Zelda, um, Super Mario, Pokemon, Kirby, Donkey Kong. It's like, holy crap. It was just so well done, that trailer. And I was with a few friends. I was with myself. Well, I was with myself. <laughs> it was myself, Bryce. I think it was my uh, good friend, Conrad, good friend, Jacob. Uh, I think Riley was there. You know, just uh, good friends from school and, it was awesome. They announced, they announced Mega Man as a playable character and just one of the most hype moments. And the wait for the, that game honestly was brutal. Uh, every day I was like excited for it, like generally excited for a game that's still a year away. is a, is a hard way to live your life. It really is. <laughs> and I've gone through that multiple times in my life where I'm like, I'm excited for this game, but it's six months away. And that's why these days I'm quite happy when it's like, oh, Paper Mario – origami king it's coming out in three months it's like good <laughs> do that more often please because if i was a if i was a elder scrolls fan and they're like hey elder scrolls is coming god knows when i think i'll lose my mind honestly i think i'll lose my mind but um yeah luckily i'm not a big bethesda fan <laughs> and uh, the legend of zelda uh, uh wind waker hd one of the first big Wii U games to come out. Absolutely gorgeous. And uh, that was my first chance to play through uh, the Wind Waker because I didn't have a GameCube. Thanks. Thanks, uh, Game Traders guy. Could have already played it by then. Uh, Mario 3D World, uh, like I said, it, it didn't blow me away, but I really, really loved it. I loved how um, good the multiplayer components were. And at the time when it came out in summer, I was at uh, down at our... Uh, a beach house and a lot of people were sort of coming over because people are down from university or whatever they're doing and they'll come over and I'll be like, oh, well, I didn't have, at the time, didn't have Mario Kart or Smash because they weren't out yet. But I could go, hey, do you want to play Mario? And playing four-player Mario was actually really fun. And that was something we didn't have on the on the Wii U. 
on oh, not on the Wii U on the was it the new Super Mario Bros series? I never enjoyed that because it was just like so hectic. <laughs> and uh, uh, Splatoon, Splatoon was a big one as well. When that was announced, it was kind of like, wow, this looks cool. This looks like a Nickelodeon game show type of thing. And it was one of the first times uh, Nintendo's developers were able to really uh, dis- or show some of their muscles. Even Miyamoto himself, he sort of said, oh, you know, this won't work. And the younger uh, development staff at Nintendo sort of proved him wrong because it was awesome. It's gone on to spawn a sequel. And even on the Wii U, I didn't play a whole lot of it online because uh, my internet home on the farm was really bad. And it couldn't really reach my house or couldn't really reach my bedroom either. So I just played like the single player and dabbled in the multiplayer, but not that much. Um, it wasn't until the second one where I actually got to play it more. So with the Wii U, it's sort of like, it's sort of losing my attention. Like, you know, between first party games, there's really not that much to go. So the PS4, obviously at the time, I'm a Sony fan. I'm a PlayStation fan uh, now with the Vita and PlayStation uh, 3. Uh, so PS4, just a really great console. And it, thinking back, I was thinking about this the other day. It's kind of funny to think that the competitor to the PS4 for four years was the Wii U. And not that it was much of a competitor, obviously, but it is weird to think that the Wii U was going against the PS4 for four years because it feels like the Switch has been around forever now, but it's only been three years. <laughs> hasn't been long at all. Well, three and a bit years now, but uh, regardless. So just so quickly for PS4, uh, Gravity Rush 2, one of my favorite games, I, I like it a lot more than the original game. Uh, the PS4 version is just gorgeous. Uh, everything from the story, how they wrapped up, how they wrapped up the story, the missions, the enemy variety—they really did do an awesome job. So, anyone who's a PlayStation fan and into first-party uh, PlayStation games, because I hear this is the thing. Listening to PlayStation podcasts, I hear a lot of, "Hey, the uh, PlayStation Studios, some of the best studios in the world." I agree. Naughty Dog, fantastic. Sucker Punch, fantastic. But Japan Studio guys. You've got to give these guys more recognition. Go and play Gravity Rush 2. It is awesome and it's cheap right now. So go and go and get that for the love of God. Uh, Uncharted 4. Absolutely loved Uncharted 4. Um, I liked it a lot more than Uncharted 3. They wrapped up the story very nicely there. The, the gameplay was a lot better. Until Dawn. Um, this was... I really loved The Walking Dead on uh, PlayStation 3. And that's a game I actually forgot to bring up, but it doesn't really matter too much. Uh, Until Dawn is like a sort of a similar game where it's a horror game and you're going, you're trying to last the night with a bunch of characters and at any point if you make the wrong decision, uh, those characters can die and they just won't be in the story. So you, your story is just completely different. So I played I th- played through that with Chantel and um, we both really enjoyed it. Um, Infamous Second Son around uh, the launch window of the PlayStation 4, really, really a fun game. Um, the story was, you know, okay, but the gameplay was really fun to go around with uh, Delson and use his different powers and all of that. And Life is Strange, I uh, really loved Life is Strange. Just a really, really cool story about two girls sort of growing up in a rural town and um, some pretty shit stuff happens to them, unfortunately. And the last one I played, which only came out a few months ago, The Last of Us Part Two, obviously a follow-up to a fantastic game that I really, really loved. But um, I didn't think I needed the sequel for The Last of Us. I thought it ended in a bit where I was like, oh, Wow. And luckily enough, they they came out and said, no, this uh, <laughs> I, I really did love the sequel. I think I might even like it more, um, even just because of the gameplay. The gameplay is just a lot more fun than the original game. I remember, like, it was quite grueling getting through the original Last of Us. It was just so, so, ugh. And it was a bit repetitive as well, like, you know, Joel telling Ellie to jump up, 
get the ladder down to progress to the next area. But with this one, it was uh, there wasn't so much of that. And actually, the the gunplay and the stealth were a lot more fun. So I actually enjoyed it. And the story was just, it was like very sad, very grueling, uh, but very emotional and very, some parts uplifting. I don't know. It had like a blend of it all. Absolutely fantastic game. And that's what I feel like with PlayStation and as well as Xbox. I've got an Xbox One, but I really don't have enough to talk about Xbox One um, for this generation. It's been a bit of a miss for Xbox this year, but um, when it comes down to, to me, I feel like with Nintendo, I really do like playing like a lot of my games on there on handheld, whether it's Switch or Game Boy or whatever. But when it comes to PlayStation, I like these big, beautiful, well-written experiences. And that's sort of where um, the PlayStation and PlayStation 5 and all of that are going to fit into that for me. So yeah, really looking forward to that. And that brings us to where we are now with Nintendo Switch. And I'm just realizing this as I'm sort of speaking this out loud, but once again, I was so excited about Nintendo Switch. And when I think about it, I think the Switch is the most excited I've ever been for a platform release, ever. Um, Even thinking about when I was a kid with DS... 3DS and Wii, even though I was so obsessed with getting information, putting it into folders and all of that, I was probably twice as obsessed with Nintendo Switch. And that is because um, big handheld gamer, and when we sort of got the idea that the NX would be an accumulation of everything that makes Nintendo good, and the fact that Nintendo were sort of uh, merging their handheld and console divisions at Nintendo... Um, it was sort of in the water that Nintendo were making a hybrid console. And for a long time, I remember really wanting that because I'll I'll be getting around my iPad, for example, and I'm like, wouldn't it be great if I could just hook up this, uh, you know, Xbox controller to the uh, thing, just put up my iPad and play a game. And that is what I wanted. That is ultimately what I really wanted. And when I heard that Nintendo of all companies might be making that, that is when I just sort of (laughs) kind of lost my shit. (laughs) Got really excited. And, um, just leading up to it, it was E3 2015 um, where Reggie said, hey, we're not talking about NX here, but stay tuned in 20, um, 2016. So it was a long wait between, hey, we've got a codename NX in the works. We won't be talking about it. Then a year when they say, um, you know, this is what codename NX does. Then at the end of 2016, they do an announcement trailer. Obviously, we, um, if you're a big Nintendo fan for the last few years, you would probably know that there was an image on social media with Mario looking out behind a curtain, teasing the announcement, and then the an announcement trailer comes out showing the core concept of Nintendo Switch and what it sort of uh, what its main draw does. And yeah, I remember just watching YouTube video on YouTube video just talking about information, and then when unboxings came out of like early people getting it. I just watched so many unboxings. I might have watched like half of all the unboxings on YouTube. Like seriously, I was obsessed with it for so long. And I got an opportunity to go and play it early actually um, at RTX in Sydney. And <laughs> I got the opportunity, but I didn't actually do it because I was sitting in line for about an hour and the line didn't move at all. I'm like, all right, I'm going to wait for another two months and I'll play my own copy. <laughs> I won't worry about it. Um because even even me being that excited wasn't going to make me wait in line all day. Um, so yeah, so getting getting the switch at launch with um, one of the most important 
uh, launch titles of all time was a, a big, such a big thing. Like big Zelda fan, looking forward to Breath of the Wild. Obviously delayed. It was obviously disappointed that it was delayed for like two years. Um, but we knew that game had to be good. The position Nintendo was in is like the Wii. Well, the Wii U sold 13 million. That is awful. That is less than the PlayStation Vita, and the PlayStation Vita is is not. It wasn't that important to Sony. <laughs> it was just in there. It was their, you know, handheld, and they, you know, they they cut off uh, support of that thing probably like three years in because they knew where it was going. And the Wii U, uh, Nintendo's premier uh, console, sold less than that. So it was only hard. It was only super hardcore Nintendo fans that cared about Nintendo at the time. Um, throughout the Wii U, we're waiting for Mario Kart. We're waiting for Smash. We're waiting for. The 3D Mario, we're waiting for something just to save the Wii U and put it back up there, but it never happened. So what Nintendo had to do to get back into the minds of gamers was just, I don't even know how, I don't even know if they could do it, to be honest. It was just such a big undertaking um, and they had to do everything right. So with Breath of the Wild coming out um, and then you sort of saw the success of the Wii U, the, the Switch and how successful it was. And even even to today, as I'm recording this, it's at 63 million units sold. Animal Crossing is has sold 22 million units on that uh, piece of hardware in uh, three months. It's massive. And I think that's all because of Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild uh, put them into just the everyday gamer's eye but it's a masterpiece, but it's a must-play game, but it's a graphically impressive game, you know, for, especially for a handheld uh, system and that you can play that anywhere and that that system also offers you something that the others don't and probably will never offer you. Um, you know, Xbox with xCloud X now, you might be able to get that through your you know, mobile phone or whatever, but um, especially in 2017, you weren't getting that anywhere else and Nintendo uh, really, really did thrive on that. So I'm not going to talk too much about some of the big Switch games that uh, I'm really enjoying, but it is my favorite Nintendo console. And I'm so happy I can say that at 26 years old. Going through on the Game Boy Advance and uh, all the consoles throughout then, just how much good content was on each one. Even the Wii U, um, Nintendo is in a better position than ever. And that makes me excited to be a gamer because we've, in 2016, when there was basically Star Fox Zero and uh, Paper Mario coming out on Wii U, those games didn't interest me, and that year felt really dull. Uh, I remember, uh, was it Call of Duty? Um, it was a Call of Duty game. There was a Watch Dogs game. Uh, I think it was Titanfall. Like all of these games that are just like on on all consoles, pretty much. They're just boring. They bore me. Just uh, stuff like comes from EA, Activision. Blizzard, you know, I just, it's not, it's not for me. I find it boring and having a, having a world where Nintendo isn't there in, in this industry would be a tremendous detriment, I feel. So it's great that they're back and that they're, you know, they're kicking ass and uh, we're going to be talking about that every week on the house of Mario, good or bad. So, yeah. So that brings me to the end. Thank you very much for listening to this hour and a half podcast. It means a lot to me. And it's the first of many House of Mario encores, hoping to get these out each week, um, if not each fortnight. Depends on my work schedule and everything, but I do appreciate it so much. 
And uh, it was a lot of fun to do. I need a glass of water. Holy crap. <laughs> so if you're watching this on YouTube, be sure to like and subscribe. It helps out the YouTube algorithms and all that. And of course, you just subscribe if you want more. Like that's, that's as simple as that. And if you're listening on podcast services, be sure to leave a five-star review. And um, yeah. <laughs> so guys, until next week. The doors to the house of Mario Encore are closed. Catch you later.